0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Beyond Queer Stories. Today we have Riley with us. Riley is a gay transgender man and a third year chemistry major and math minor at UW-Platteville. Outside of class, he works two jobs and does research with one of UW-Platteville's chemistry professors. His research is about ways to get more lead out of water than we are currently able to. One job he has is as a student assistant for a STEM-oriented study space, and the other is as a math and chemistry tutor through TRIO Student Support Services, which is a wonderful program that he wishes more people knew about. His career goal is to become a PhD-level chemist so he can do research and teach, which are two things he loves to do. In his free time, he serves as treasurer for the Gender and Sexuality Alliance, sings tenor and choir, and plays percussion in the Wind Ensemble and Symphony Orchestra. His passions include queer visibility in STEM, ask him about the EMS Expo, hanging out with his boyfriend and friends, everything to do with cats, reading Tamora Pierce books, and watching Parks and Rec. P.S. He's also been told that he and Ben Wyatt are the same person. <laughs> Welcome. We're happy to have you today.
1: Hey. <laughs> so, right. just an opener question, just to get the ball rolling What identities do you feel most influence your experiences?
2: I
3: would say probably my trans identity because I knew I was attracted to men before I knew that I was trans. So I thought that I was a straight girl, like air quotes. And so because of that, I didn't really feel like conflicted about being attracted to men or feel like that wasn't normal. And so by the time I had accepted that I was trans, my sexuality was just kind of the same. And so it was never really like a thing.
0: So how does that in- identity kind of impact Daily experiences or things that you experience kind of within your life?
3: well, something that you guys can't see and also something that our listeners can't see is that I'm very short. So that probably gets me clocked. I'm like five three and I go to a farm school in the middle of rural Wisconsin. Mm. So there's a lot of these like big like sticks to like muscle guys. And then I'm over here. I'm like less than their shoulder height. <laughs> That's a thing. Um, it's also, a not very diverse campus and so there are rumors and yeah Mm. not not really too bad i haven't had like any horribly negative experiences um i did choose to go here i'm from the east coast but like it's just something that you're aware of
0: Mm -hmm. so you said do you feel like um your height kind of makes it so people clock you have you had people like you or, like, approach you about that before?
3: No, because I think people are scared to do that. Um, okay. But So there was one thing. I don't want to give too many details because I don't want to sound like I'm publicly calling out the university, especially. But, like, I, I like them. It's a good university. But there was an instance where someone didn't know what pronouns I used. Mm-hmm. And so instead of, like, asking me, they just didn't use any pronouns. And it made for some very awkward times.
1: How do you not use pronouns? Like what do you like use? like
3: this was written? Oh. They just kept using my name and it sounded really awkward.
1: Yeah.
2: And like
3: people that I knew, they were like, Oh yeah, I saw that feature on you and by the way, it's so weird that they didn't use pronouns. Hmm. And this is people that I've never talked about being trans with before. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it just makes it really obvious that like, there was some reason.
3: Yeah, because like outside of like the Alliance for Gender and Sexuality, I don't really talk about my identity because are more relevant parts of me that I'd rather talk about.
0: Mm -hmm, For sure. Speaking of more relevant parts, I'd love to hear about your work in kind of visibility in the STEM field and what you do with
3: that. (laughs) Yeah, I really like doing that. So that's the um, EMS Expo where I put that in my, like, bio. Well, every spring, the College of Engineering, Math, and Science does what we call the EMS Expo, which a lot of people think is emergency medical services. <laughs> it's engineering, math, and science. And so, what that is, is different student groups will put on like exhibits for K 12 students. And then those students will come to the university like with their school groups and do all these events. And there's like a big scavenger hunt that they get like prizes from their schools for completing. And it's just a really big recruitment type event and also just visibility for the university. So, my friend and I, they're actually my roommate, so they're like in the other room right now. (laughs) Well, they're one of my roommates. They, um, they're a mechanical engineering major. And so, together, we made a trivia game designed to teach kids about famous LGBTQ scientists, including a lot of scientists you wouldn't know might have been LGBTQ. For example, um, George Washington Carver was bisexual. Isaac Newton was probably gay, we'll never know for sure. Um, Leonardo da Vinci was either gay or bisexual. Who else? There were more. I need to like pull this thing off. And also just a lot of people that you may not have heard of otherwise. For example, microchips were practically invented by a transgender woman. She's still alive. She's retired and she lives in Michigan. And the role, uh, my personal favorite, is a man named Ben Barris, who everyone should look up. He figured out that glia, which are like the supporting cells in your brain to neurons, do way more than just support neurons and are like really critical to development. Very cool. And he has a book that was released after he died called The Autobiography of a Transgender Scientist, and it was a wonderful read.
0: Oh, wow. So through that, do you get to kind of network with a lot of other queer science-minded people, then, and kind of build a network within that?
3: (laughs) I mean, I kind of wish. Not really through that, because that's more I'm interacting with, like, parents and teachers of K-12 students, and also the K-12 students themselves. We did definitely get some high schoolers who were, like, probably queer, who came to the the event. Uh, Not really, though, because of where we are. It's just uncommon for there to be queer people, like, at all. At least out one. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: There's Not that many. I do have a good network on campus, but the majority of them are not in STEM fields. Mm -hmm. But I have reached out to people at other universities using that as sort of a like we're involved in the same stuff.
2: Yeah.
3: And so it's definitely been a good experience doing it. We actually won a prize for best educational value at the high school level, which included $250 to do next year's.
0: That's great. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So
3: like, also... Oh, yeah, sorry. I was like, that's no. the EMS Expo. It's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting because I'd say probably half of the chemistry department knows that I'm trans even though I never told them. Mm-hmm. So that's fun.
2: Yeah, I bet that's
0: tricky to navigate sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So it sounds like you're multi-talented as well. You <laughs> have lots of other talents listed in your bio. Can you tell us a little bit about those also?
3: Oh my god. I I do way too much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my friends like hate me cuz I'm never around. <laughs> um so I have been a classical percussionist since I was in fifth grade. Wow. Yeah, so like all the orchestra people with the timpani and all that. <laughs> I do that. Um that's really that's one. That's really important to me, because music definitely helped me throughout, especially the earlier stage of my transition, like, you know, uh, or just coming out in general, where you're, like, really depressed and have no idea what your life is. And, like, music really got me through that, because it, like, playing music and being a part of music was, like, one of the only times that I felt like someone understood. Yeah. And so... Yeah, right here is one of the most expensive objects that I own. This is my stick bag. I'm going to open it. It's more interesting when it's <laughs> open.
1: Like a jump? Drop- oh? Oh, wow. Yeah, okay.
3: this, this is over $300 worth of stuff in here.
0: Oof. Can you describe it for the audio yeah. listeners who can't see what you showed us? So, yeah, so I've got a um,
3: one, three and a half pairs of yarn mallets. Half because this one, uh, someone sat on the other one. Oh, no. I've got a pair of xylophone mallets, so xylophone mallets are like, oh, I've got two pairs of xylophone mallets, they're like hard plastic mallets that you'd think of like a kid with that little rainbow xylophone using.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I've got two pairs of snare drum sticks, like what you think of when you think of drumsticks, mm-hmm. and two pairs of timpani mallets of different hardness, which is basically like a stick with, on the top, like a round part that's fuzzy. And also a tuner metronome, but that's not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that I've spent a lot of money on over the years. And so yeah, being a musician has always been important to me. I went to a really good music high school unintentionally. And so marching band and wind ensemble, which is like honor band, that's like the technical term for it, was like my whole life. And so I went to college and I saw I went to this like really small school because I didn't want to go to a huge school because no thank you to 500 person lecture halls. Yeah. And so I got involved in music and actually I got up, it, I wound up in the wind ensemble again, even though I told myself, I'm like, I'm not going to put too much commitment on this because I have other things I need to do. And so I wound up in the wind ensemble and then I'd always wanted to try singing, but for some reason it just like didn't feel right. And I was really bad at it. So then after being over year on to a I was like, I'm going to try singing. <laughs> nice. So I just sort of walked up into the choir department with no experience because <laughs> most people by the time they get to college have been singing for like eight or 10 years. So I just walk up into the choir department with no experience, and I was just like, I've never done this before, but I'm a musician, just like, let me in. And so they put me into the lowest choir, and so I was there for three semesters, and then next semester I'm going to be in the medium choir, like there's three, and I'm never going to get to the top one just because that's like all music majors, like you have to be um, basically a music major to have the amount of time to practice that, to get that good. Mhm. not, and that's fine. And I also got into men's choir.
2: Wow, that's awesome. I'm going to
3: do that in the fall, along with all of my other stuff.
0: Sounds like a packed schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I
3: did, once I found out that I'm probably going to be doing research during the semester and getting paid for it, I am limiting my hours on the desk assistant job, so now I'm only doing events for that where it's, like, speaking to people about STEM So like, Mm -hmm. Students from a lower income, like more underrepresented students, like maybe who might who aren't white or like female students, we specifically will reach out to and like hold events. Like there was an event last semester called Get Through the STEM Major, and I like purposely looked gay, like you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like I made sure to dress. I have like these like maroon kind of more like slim fitting chinos, so I wore like those with my like um, ankle boots, and I had like a gray button up shirt and a belt. And my hair's like this. <laughs> and so I definitely don't look I mean, I'm a man but I don't look like traditionally masculine. And so I made sure to like walk on that stage and I did that on purpose. And so what the premise of the event is that people would ask questions to the panel of students who are on the stage, most of who were female. But that's also just because a lot of women work for this department. Because um the three directors of the department are all women. And we have, our campus is like 70% male. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a problem. So they're really trying to recruit women. And so they're asking us these yes or no questions and trying to guess who's a STEM major and who isn't. Mm-hmm. And so I like made it my goal that people wouldn't guess I'm a STEM major. I don't know how that worked out. Mm-hmm. But like, that's what I was trying to do to just like break the stereotype that all of the science majors are like, these, like, big white dudes with, like, a crew cut and right. who, like, don't have a social life or, like, yeah. other talents besides math. Right. Yeah. Which I do love math, and that's actually what my creative nonfiction piece is about. Very cool. Because I did not used to. <laughs> and I think that's really important because math just gets a bad
0: breath. Yeah. Well, it's almost story time. Do you want to ask questions I really- before we hop into
1: stories? No, I was going to say, like, I love the fact that both the people we've interviewed so far are in math. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, we had somebody just before you that was a math, prof- math teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow.
3: That's yeah. Because really cool. the my day. story is about a math teacher.
0: Oh, nice. Ooh. That's awesome. That'd it be goes funny if it was Right. It's
2: like, <laughs> not him. <laughs> him. You <and> not him.
0: <laughs> that does make me think of a question, though, actually. Did you grow up in Wisconsin or did you go there for school? No, you said you're from um, the East Coast, right?
3: Yeah, so I lived yeah. in Wisconsin until I was like seven. Okay. Um, my family is all from Wisconsin. Okay. Like my parents are, and their parents are, and yeah. Um, but so when I was like seven, I moved to New Jersey, and I stayed there till I graduated high school.
0: Okay, cool. So you're kind of going back to Wisconsin? Yeah, but, but I'm you not were from really
3: Wisconsin. young. Wisconsin. I'm from like three hours away.
0: Okay. That's a big change from East Coast yeah, to Wisconsin.
3: Yeah, I like it a lot better because um, the Midwest is like, you know the Midwest nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like on the East Coast. Have you seen that viral video about that woman driving on the New Jersey Turnpike?
0: I don't think so. Okay,
3: so there's this viral video that's been circulating. Okay, i see seen it on Facebook like 10 times. But there is this woman, and she's talking about driving on the NJ Turnpike. And she's saying about how she's driving in like the 80s, and everyone else is passing her because they're going 115, which is completely <laughs> an exaggeration. And talking about not being allowed to pump your own gas, which is yeah, a thing. I'm like the only one of my New Jersey friends who knows how to pump gas. Oh wow. Yeah. Because of
1: that too. Like you yeah, can't like they don't let you pump fair. gas. They don't. It's Why? Weird. Well,
3: the it's latest weird. reason is because it's part of New Jersey culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's culture, so you just don't. No.
3: Also because it creates jobs for the gas station
1: attendant. Okay. <laughs> but it's stupid.
0: Then like, you're the most
1: to... bougie thing ever. Like, I'll <laughs> pump your gas for you. Yeah, it's, it's so dumb.
3: <laughs> um, but then they're also, she's talking, the one thing that I'm talking about here is that she's saying, she's like, yeah, I held a door open for this man, and he was like, thank you! And, like, I had just given him a kidney or something. <laughs> and, like, yeah, that's how it is. Like, people just aren't nice. <laughs> wow. Like, my high school was very overcompetitive. Like, as a junior, I took three AP classes at the same time, and that was a light load. What? Yeah, I knew people taking six.
0: When I was in high school, we didn't have that many AP qu- classes that you could take that many.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, my high school had like three thousand people. Wow. Like we had organic chemistry, that was awesome. That
2: mm-hmm. I got
3: to take in college,
2: because
3: <laughs> then I got into it in college and I actually knew what things were. Right. Um, that saved me in OK because I just finished. Uh, you have to take a whole year of that, so I just finished that this year.
1: Nice. You're like one of the only people I know who like organic chemistry. (laughs) If I could like destroy the class as a whole, (laughs) I would freaking (laughs) hate Orgo.
3: (laughs) I didn't completely like it, but I also did not hate it.
1: Yeah. Fair. Fair. I think I was more like 80 20. (laughs) (laughs) I think it like depends
0: on the teacher so much too, because like we had it at my high school and I loved it and I had an amazing teacher and then I tried taking it in college and I was like, no, mm-hmm. I can't and I dropped yeah. I kept the lab and dropped the class. Because I'm like, I'm not gonna let this class like ruin my GPA, so I kept the lab and mm-hmm. just did that and then I switched. It's like no, oh, no sorry, I loved it, but now you made me hate it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that that happened. Yeah. That happened to me when I took Italian in high school, but it might have just been gendered words.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. yeah, everything being gendered.
1: What do you mean by that?
3: Like how if you want to use certain verbs in Italian, it mm-hmm. has to be based on the person's gender. Yeah.
2: So
1: like
3: if you especially in like past tense. so if you want to say like he has gone,
2: mm-hmm. it
3: would be I can't remember how the how the verb forms work because it's been five years since I took Italian. Mm-hmm. But it would be something on dato. Or mm-hmm. no, it would be I have gone if you were a boy. Mm-hmm. It would be on dato, Io O Andato. Mm-hmm. But if you were a girl, it would be io o andata. Mhm. And so like I started like questioning my gender as like a freshman in high school. Oh, I, I see. Didn't stop taking Italian until after my sophomore year. Mm. So I was going through this and I still have to like use the wrong verb forms and mm. it was just like I'm, I'm done.
1: Yeah. Okay, I get that.
0: Well we'd love to hear your story okay. you have for us.
3: let starts as a dialogue between my high school math teacher and myself. And it took place when I was a sophomore, so this was the first year I had him. I had him for two years in a row, and then like, kept going to his extra help the third year. And he's, he's just an interesting guy, and you'll, you'll figure it out from this story. <laughs> we still kind of keep in contact, because he's just very busy. And so am I. And also, living 14 hours away from each other doesn't help. So it starts off, It's like him and I in a regular blind high school classroom, we're the only ones there, and I'm like crying. And this is just how this starts out. And he says, so fucking what? Well, what if I fail your class? Okay, maybe you will. I doubt that's going to happen because you're a B student, but maybe you will. And then what? Well, maybe I won't get into college because you failed one class. Well, it's not going to look good. It won't happen, not in a million years. God, kids with much worse grades than you go to college and they do well. But say it did, say that you don't go to college. A lot of people don't go to college. And in the logical part of my mind there, I already knew he was right, because my mom was a D student in high school and she's got a master's degree. But I still felt something wrong in the pit of my stomach, because the emotional part of me couldn't let go of the idea that failing one test meant that I was a failure in life. Well, I'd have to get a job, I said and you'd be alive, and you could still be happy, right? So, and there I cut him off. No, I couldn't. Why not? Because I'd probably end up as, like, a cashier or a waiter or something, and it'd be a dead-end job, and I would hate it. So that's why you're upset that you failed. Because obviously you'll end up as a waiter for the rest of your life, because you're 86, and honors pre-calc just became an 84. I laughed, and it was kind of loud and inappropriate for this moment, but I had to laugh when the insecurity that haunted me every day was shown to me in a way that revealed how ridiculous and irrational it was, because what else was there to do? Crying didn't work. And I really wish I could say this is the last such conversation I ever had with this guy, but the truth is, we had at least one every quarter of my sophomore year, and more my junior year, and a few more my senior year. <laughs> Any failure, no matter how small, was something that meant that I wasn't smart anymore. I was just really good at putting on some act. but if I failed once, everyone would figure out that I was an idiot. Does the school know they made a mistake? I asked, afraid to break the silence. What? I shouldn't be in your class. It's still September. Do you want to drop to the regular level? It's not too late. It won't even look like anything on your transcript. No. Why not? You seem sure of that, but you also don't think you belong in my class, so what the hell's stopping you? I'd be really bored. I already hate math, but it's even worse when the class moves really slowly and I'm surrounded by people who don't give a crap about it. Well, that tells me you belong here. But you just asked if I wanted to drop. And you said that you wanted to be challenged. You're in the right place for that, and you're not in danger of failing. He looked down his nose as he said that, and dared me to challenge him. And wisely, I didn't. (laughs) My fear of failure has not been cured after one conversation, or even six years. But it was quelled significantly, because I learned I could fail. Well, okay, I always knew I could fail. I learned I could fail and still be okay after. I started to come to terms with the fact that smart people fail all the time. And those failures don't diminish their intelligence or their credibility. If anything, the failures add to it. Learning how to fail is a lifelong commitment, and I am an addict in recovery. Instead of getting my high from alcohol or pills or cigarettes, I get it from praise. I live for the surge of dopamine that comes with every A, and for most of my life this was encouraged. I was a refreshing difference from the classmates who had to be poked and prodded to do their homework, or needed hours of preparation to pass a standardized test. Teachers sang high praises about me and fought over which one got to have me in their classroom, and my parents couldn't have been any prouder. I was a star student, and I was self-motivated. But at one point around fourth or fifth grade, my love for achievement became unhealthy. A's were no longer something that I was proud of, but something I needed to feel okay. If I didn't t- maintain these stellar grades, I went to withdrawal. There was, and pieces of it still remain, a voice inside my head telling me I'm stupid, and I don't deserve my praise, commendations, accolades, anything I've earned over the year. Presidential scholar, a fluke. High school GPA above 4.0, anyone could have done it. 160% on 120 point quiz in an upper level math class where I had an A average, infallible proof that I actually belong in remedial. I built up a tolerance to success, and for the next six years, it only got worse. When I failed my first honors pre-calc test, I was forced to realize that avoiding failure was only delaying the inevitable. Everyone fails at something, so it's vital to learn that failing is just part of being a person. I was no less of a quality human being because I had failed. I just wasn't that good at tricks. Not only did I begin to understand that whether or not I deserved love did not depend on my achievements, I also began to understand and even love math. While I focused on earning perfect grades, I didn't notice the beauty that had been surrounding me the entire time. Math is a universal language that explains how everything works, from atoms, to computers, to supernovas. I held it in my hand, blind to its potency and endless wonder, for most of my life because all I saw was a test that I needed to pass. I was a bright and inquisitive child, but I became a lethargic and stressed-out teenager because of the immense pressure I put on myself to be perfect. School is a lot more interesting when I look at it as an opportunity to learn and understand rather than a series of anxiety-inducing examinations that define whether I'm worthwhile. I'm not completely cured, and like any addict, I doubt I ever will be. Largely thanks to my teacher, I've made considerable progress. I still had a hard time keeping food down before my junior and senior AP AP exams, which I truly believe were designed to make students as uncomfortable as possible because really it was like 50 degrees in there, even though it was ignores and May. I probably still would have cried if I got below the scores that I expected, but I would have cried and been okay after. And that might not seem like progress, but it is for someone whose worst nightmare is being seen as incompetent. I'm a recovering achievement addict, and I believe that failure is always an option.
0: Yay! That's so relatable. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah imposters in in germany a huge problem mm-hmm.
0: it really is it is i appreciate how you describe the development of it and how it happened over time
3: thank you so yeah that's a whole thing
0: yeah
3: <laughs> i'm still not that great it's fine though <laughs>
1: <laughs> so with you realizing all of that where do you think you're at now
3: I can definitely do below what I maybe wanted on something and be okay about it, but, like, okay, I've never gotten to see on a transcript or a report card in my entire life, and the first time I do, I'm probably gonna cry. (laughs) Um, I almost did in physics um, two semesters ago, Mm -hmm. because I just had an awful professor, and I didn't understand what was going on, and I got tutoring, which helped, but it, like, I still didn't get it. It also didn't help that there was almost no partial credit given in this class in a math-based class. So, like, you could do all the calculations correctly, but type it into your calculator wrong and you get zero points.
2: Wow.
3: Yeah, that was very stressful. And so luckily there was a curve, so I got an A-, minus. but I almost got a C in that class. And I still probably would have cried, but I also would not have thought that my life was over and I'm not going to get into any graduate schools. Mm
1: -hmm. That's good i know of one person who's almost to a t like that like like you <laughs> and they like got us i'm not sure if it was a c or a b but they contested it to the professor and the professor was like no this is your grade and
2: then mm-hmm. they
1: went up to the like person above the professor i think it just like the dean of that department yeah. and they let them like they they like they they took their contest. Did great, oh and then they let them get that A. Oh wow! And, oh my god! Because they only had A's, and I'm just like, what the? F-? <laughs> I was like, like and I me a C A's. student, I'm just like, fuck you, and you're like overachieving. <laughs> like, okay, wow. you couldn't live with like a single B. That's fine. I understand. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I got I got a lot of B's. I still get B's. um mm. I got a B minus in organic chemistry last semester. I was ex- I was pissed about that because I was expecting an A because oh. the professor said he was gonna curve, and then he didn't.
1: Oh and, wow. Yeah. That's
3: the worst. It, I doubt he listens to this podcast, but if he does, it's a complete call up because there's only one organic chemistry professor at this school.
0: So <laughs> you're in a um, really rigorous program where I imagine this is like triggered all the time. Oh my like God. whether you're in a rigorous program or not, like college just kind of does that to people. Is it? your department specifically feel very competitive or are people like helpful like do you get together and have study groups of classes or are people kind of like no i'm all fighting like my own battle i need to have the highest grade
3: it's really not competitive because we don't have those kind of classes like one of my i know a girl who went to um, emory business school mm-hmm. and so in that class only like a certain amount of people could get a's and only a certain amount of people could get mm-hmm. b's so i can see how that might be more competitive But here, it's all based on the number you score. So, like, me getting an A doesn't mean you can't also get an A.
0: Yeah.
3: And also, it's a very small department. We graduate about 12 per year.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. For the
3: record, we have 16 faculty.
0: In undergrad? Yeah. It's 12 per year? Wow. We don't have grad students. We're a PUI, which is an
3: undergrad institution. Okay. So, we don't have grad students. Like, my research is directly with the PI. So, the research professor. Yeah. I've been, like, doing a lot of research into grad schools because I'm about to be a junior. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have all these, like, technical terms. And I'm like, wait, people might not know what those are.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Because this is, like, my life right now is basically go to work every day, like, do research. Like, go home, research grad schools. Occasionally, I'll have to, like, travel somewhere. I'm going to a conference later this month.
0: Nice. Very cool.
3: Where um, at? So I'm going to get to present my research.
0: That's great to be able to do oh. as an undergrad.
3: Yeah. It's awesome. So I really like it here. And yeah, it's a very small department. It feels, I don't know that many people in the department because up until last semester, I was a double major. Mm -hmm. I was a major in forensic investigation also. Wow. But I realized I kind of don't want to do that as a career, especially with the way the federal government's been going. Yeah. They would probably never hire me.
0: (laughs) Hopefully by the time you'd be done a little bit shifted. Hopefully. But yeah, I get it.
3: But I really just kind of realized that that's not the job that I want to do. I, like, took these forensic investigation classes, and they were great classes, but I was just sitting there. I'm just like, wow, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of reassessed, and I was like, what do I want to do? And I've been tutoring since I was, like, a junior in high school, and now I'm actually employed doing it, which is nice, and I'm getting paid for it now. I haven't had a break from general chemistry since 10th grade. Please help. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because I took the class, and then I had to help people with it. and Mm -hmm. now. And then I had to take it again in college, because my AP credits counted for, like, the wrong version of general chemistry. Oh, no. Yeah, so it would have worked if I was an engineering major, but because I was a chemistry major, they made me redo it.
2: That sucks.
3: So then, so I'd take it again, and then I became a tutor. So now, like, I tutor a lot of things, but general chemistry is, like, the least obscure class that I tutor, because, like, I also teach linear algebra, but how many people take linear algebra? Mm Mm-hmm. So I have not had a break from general chemistry since I was 15.
0: Wow. So are you looking at PhD programs right now? Yes. So how do you Um, imagine all of that shifting? Sorry.
3: Hopefully UW-Madison. I love it there. Like, everyone is so nice. And the city is really beautiful.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
3: like, my parents went to Madison as undergrads. So like I kind of grew up around that city. Like we, whenever we'd go back to the twelfth, and we'd go to the and get ice cream.
0: Nice.
3: And so like I definitely just kind of feel at home there. And I, they're a very, they're a very good program, but they also don't feel accessible because some places it's like, oh, you're going to Harvard.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah. So like Madison <laughs> feels very accessible, but they are also in the top twenty graduate programs of chemistry.
2: Mm. Oh, that's great.
3: I in an ideal world I'll go there. Great really just i want to be able to teach and i want to be able to work on my own research Mm -hmm. and just sort of be in that kind of environment because i realize i really like like the college academic environment because it's very focused on your work Mm -hmm. it's very liberal in this like it's very conservative in the sense that like there are strict rules and like it's Almost all academics are workaholics, T.P.H., mm-hmm. um, but it's very liberal in the sense that nobody cares who you are or where you're from or, like, what you do in your free time as long as you show up and do good work. And I really like it. Yeah, I've wanted to be a scientist since I was, like, three and watched The Magic School Bus.
0: Oh, That's great yeah. when those things actually work <laughs> to, like, inspire little kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um. For my high school graduation, my mom got me a box set of every season of The Magic School Bus on Aww. DVD.
0: That's awesome. Very cool. Do you wanna stay yeah. in the same field of research with water filtration? Is that what you're hoping uh, to do for your uh PhD?
3: I'm not sure yet. I um because of being a former double major, I haven't taken as many classes in a chemist in the chemistry department as most other third years. So like I'm gonna I got I did get all my gen eds out of the way, so I'm gonna slowly make up for it over the next two years. So like I'm still gonna graduate on time and all that. But I haven't done enough classes to know what I want to specialize in yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Because you can specialize, there's five. There's biochem, organic, inorganic, analytical, and physical.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: The only class that I've taken so far of those is organic. Okay. I get told a lot that I'm going to like analytical because I like math. And the same with physical, although I hate physics.
1: Uh,
3: <laughs> uh, next semester I'm taking biochem.
1: Biochem is so much fun. You're love biochem. <laughs> <laughs> I like, hope
3: so. The professor is a really nice guy, and he's doing. Oh, there's a There's a like new emerging sixth specialty, which is education, hmm. where you research teaching methods. So that one's very new. So I kind of don't want to go there just because it'd be hard to get a job. But I am interested in education, so I want to like do that on the side. And our current biochem professor does that on the side, so. I'm hoping to get to know a little bit better over the next semester. But literally, like, my lock screen on my phone is Marie Curie.
2: Oh, that's
1: great.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's been that way ever since I got a smartphone.
1: That's great. It's, like, forever inspired. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I just, just, like, I don't know. My whole life, I've wanted to be a scientist of some sort. I've never not wanted to do this. So it's just kind of weird and surreal that, like, now I'm actually doing it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm really not sure if I want to work with porous materials or not, because that's, like, the bulk of our research. Okay. It's technically organic synthesis, which I swore I would never do again after taking organic chemistry. (laughs) Uh But here I am doing it, and I am actually kind of enjoying it, so I don't know. I also just really like my research mentor. I'm not going to name him because he doesn't know I'm doing this, but shout out to him for being really great and teaching me a lot of the things that I'm behind on, and for us having 20 minute conversations where we 20 minute arguments where we agree. Because <laughs> there definitely is a language barrier and we're getting through
0: it. <laughs> Aww, that's great. So, how do you manage the imposter syndrome now?
3: I'm still in therapy. I've been in therapy since I was 14. Okay. Um <laughs> So, partially that, partially like being surrounded by other people who like I care about and who like know most of my life story. And that, you know, they're not people that I'm like specifically not talking about certain topics with. And seeing them also doing it because my roommates, all of us are in like research heavy fields. Well, except for the one who's a mechanical engineer, but that's still like a math and STEM heavy field. So it's like related. So, yeah, we're all in like, so we're all in these kind of fields and we're all like struggling through it together and so that is really helpful and also just i'm getting to the stage where like we're about to print a poster about my current work that has my name on it so it's like my name is on an academic poster and i am going to a conference next month and like so it's like i'm talking with these people and they're interested in my work mm-hmm. so that's just kind of like i'm actually it feels like i'm doing something that like other people want to hear about mm-hmm. and like so the other day, I, like, last week, literally this was last week, I was in Madison for a doctor's appointment. And I was like, I have to drive an hour to get here, more than an hour. I'm not going to just have a, like, 30-minute doctor's appointment and drive back home. That's stupid. So I drove over to the chemistry building, and I just walked around and talked to some random people. And I wound up talking to this group of graduate students. And we were just, like, able to talk and connect about stuff that we had in common and it's like well first of all they are like regular people who are also dealing with these kind of stuff and also Mm. again it's like they're interested in my work i'm interested in their work and i could actually when they talked about it i could actually understand what it was (laughs) because it's like i don't know have you ever tried to read an academic journal i don't know what y'all's like majors were or if you yeah
0: yeah i do (laughs) psych research so okay yeah yeah okay so
3: like you've read an academic journal like it's hard yes so, like, I'm slowly getting to the point where I can actually read one and understand it.
2: Great.
3: So that's helpful. A lot of jobs, it's like, aren't really typical jobs that you think of doing. Because mm-hmm. um, it's like, I don't know, I feel like very few people go into college being like, I'm going to be a university professor,
2: mm-hmm.
3: which is, like, where I am right now. And especially because that job market is not that great, because being a professor is something people keep doing till they're 70. And so it's kind of difficult because it's like, am I even going to get a job? But then hearing like other people who are in that career right now telling me I can do it is very – it's helpful. Yeah. I'm not sure how right they are, but it's helpful.
0: I think you can do it. We just met, but I, I feel like you can do it. <laughs> the thing with being a professor is you have to be open to living in lots of different places because those jobs are, like, few and far between. That's oh, the thing yeah. that I think is really tricky about it. I'll go anywhere except the Bible Belt. There you go.
3: I also just meld if it's above 75 degrees.
0: <laughs> nice. So, a little bit north. <laughs> yeah. Nice.
3: Yeah. Because, like, honestly, I don't know. I'm My parents moved a lot, so I just find it really weird when adults stay in the same place their whole life. Mm, okay.
2: Because,
3: like, one of my best friends, I actually lived with her for a summer. Mm-hmm. Like, her and her parents. We've known each other since we were, like, nine. And, like, she, her parents, her mom lives in the house that she grew up in still. Oh, wow. And, like, she lives there, and she's probably going to, like, stay in the same state because she's getting a teaching degree, and, like, generally those are state-specific. So, and it's just, like, super weird to me because my parents, I, I, I have to keep a list of all the different places my parents live because you can't keep them in your head. There's, like, 15 of them. Oh, wow. And they range across a good one quarter of the country.
2: Very
3: cool. So I'm just, like, yeah, isn't that what all adults do, like, move every, like, five years or so? And you're no.
0: like, no. <laughs> <laughs> You get to see more of the country that way, or even the world, depending on where you move.
3: Yeah. I made a joke about moving to Canada the other day, and my mom got mad at me. She about was moving like, where? In reality here. About moving to Canada.
0: I mean, that could be reality if you that's, want. It yeah, to be. that's still a thing. That
3: could I know. Happen.
0: They even have good PhD programs.
3: I I don't know anything about them. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> you got time.
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was just—we were making jokes because I like my health care is expensive sometimes,
0: right?
3: So I was like, "I'll move to Canada."
0: Mm-hmm. People do it. I know people have done it. Actually, it's yeah, real.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah. A, a person that I used to be friends with, like, but we kind of fell out of touch in high school, moved to Canada for college. Nice. So like, I know people who've done it, mm. but apparently, it's not realistic. Whatever. <laughs>
0: As realistic as the limit of your plan, yeah. what you do. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I oh, also, did... apparently, I'm Irish. I'm not Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of it because of this shirt, which I know people reading it won't be able to see. But, um, it's the shield mm-hmm. of a book character named Keldry of Mindelin, who I who has inspired me throughout my life. That's I mentioned Tamora Pierce books. That's my favorite series by Tamora Pierce. Um, My middle name is actually Cal. And so when I went to get a passport, not that I've actually been out of the country since I was, legal 11, but with uh, the whole new president thing, because that happened right around the time that my legal transition happened, I was like, I'm going to get a passport just to be safe. Yeah. Because they're good for 10 years before they don't let me. So I came in there with my, like, change of name, and the guy doing my passport is like, are you Irish? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so apparently both my first and middle name are Irish. Oh. Nice. That's how I learned that. After legally changing my
1: name.
3: <laughs> I also get called ma'am on the phone
1: a lot. Really? Yes. I get stirred a lot on the phone, too, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> how
0: do you all handle that when it happens?
1: Um, I wait until they catch it themselves. <laughs> or I repeat myself in a, like... I don't, I don't even know what to say at that point. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. And then they catch themselves. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, okay, well... <laughs>
3: Yeah, I just kind of, like, lower my voice and speak like this, because I'm aware that I have a very high voice. I had a hard time accepting that when I transitioned, that my voice didn't change that much. I don't know. I got lucky in that, like, I have a full beard, Um <laughs> a lot of people who end up with a much deeper voice than me, but, like, no facial hair after mm-hmm. three years, and I got this within two. Oh, wow. Um, well, I'm going to be three in September, but, like, I've had this beard for a while.
1: I love that you said I'll be three in se- December. <laughs> <laughs> September, but yeah. September. I'll be three in September. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
1: I mean, of
3: the four people who live in my house, three of us take testosterone, so like, oh. that's just a uh, like it's a conversation that happens enough.
0: Yeah, so then you have also that comparison of like everyone's different transition and mm-hmm. yeah,
3: yeah, because um, two of my roommates they um, started within the same week of each other. Oh wow! But they have very different results. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but being in choir really helped me because like. Yeah, I get called "ma'am" on the phone, but also as a tenor one, I have an ability that a lot of cis men would kill me for. Nice.
2: Because
3: <laughs> like I, I, I don't remember what my highest note is, but it's like up there.
2: Mm-hmm. Very cool.
3: I've yeah, I've had to go above the stuff and above the staff in Trouble Club before. It wasn't fun, but I did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so many talents. <laughs> we are at about the wrap up time. Okay. So,
1: (laughs) shameless plug time, and go.
3: I don't have anything to plug.
1: Oh my god. (laughs) No, I don't, because
3: I really try to keep my identities off of my social media, because I don't want it to be the first thing people see when they Google me.
1: Ah. Well,
0: it could even be organizations you think people would like, like the one that you mentioned. Like, it could be anything you think you want people to know about. It doesn't have to be personal. Well...
3: Any okay? Any high school or college students, if they're in any type of financially disadvantaged, if you have a disability, mental illness counts, or are a first year college student, look into Trio Student Support Service.
1: (gasps) I love Trio. Yes, seconding. I was in Trio. Oh Oh, my god. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sorry. I'm so sorry. that's awesome okay so
3: i work for them my former boss um he moved to a different position he's not gone gone is a trans man also which is lit um but so i work for them i'm also a part of them like i get tutoring amazing programming great staff that's the only reason i passed physics (laughs) who else just uw plotville in general i feel is very much a hidden gem And also has great acceptance, like 90-something percent acceptance rate. So you're going to get in, but still a degree that's valuable because the classes are really difficult. And that's how they weed the people out who shouldn't be in whatever program it is because they're, like, not studying or whatever or just realize it's not for them. Really good variety of programs for for such a small school and very, like, high quality and great just campus community in general. So highly recommend if you're from the Midwest, or if you're not, we need more people who are not. They gave me a out-of-state fee waiver just for being from the greater New York City area. Oh, wow. Because they were so excited to have
1: someone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> who else? I don't even know. EMS. I spend 90% of my time. Well, EMS is just the College of Engineering, Math, and Science at UW-Platteville.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, like, that's who they are. Uh, they're they a <laughs> part of UW-Platteville. <laughs> Yeah, UW-Platteville divides its school really weird. So we have EMS, which is Engineering, Math, and Science. We have LAE, which is Liberal Arts and Education. So that includes a lot of science, such as geography and psychology, for mm-hmm. example, are in there. There's probably some other sciences, too, that I just don't know as much because I don't have friends in those majors. And then we have BILSA, which is Business, Industry, Life Sciences, and Agriculture. So, like, biology mm-hmm. is not EMS.
2: Interesting. Hmm.
3: Yeah, and so also, like, Industrial Technology Management, not EMS. Build up. Interesting. I don't get it, but great school, very affordable, quality quality education. I love being here. Kind of a interesting location in that it's in the middle of nowhere, but there's a cute little town here. It's fine. That's great. You totally don't have to drive 30 minutes to the nearest mall, which is even that good of a mall.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> really not. I'm
0: glad you enjoy it and you're loving your program. And we wish you the best on your grad school plans and search and applications and all of that. I know that's a stressful yeah. process.
3: Oh, yeah, it is. And also, just like to anyone who's involved in music or art or anything like that and is thinking of like giving it up, don't do it. Because mm. I feel like everyone has that moment. And I've just heard so many people, like, most of my academic advisors, because in high school I had academic advisors telling me to drop band. I was mad at them. But I've had so many people, like, academic advisors, just, like, other, like, friends, tell me that they wish they didn't give up music. And, like, I'm not really, I'm not into art. I'm terrible at shapes and anything visual. But just so many people say that they just don't have the time or they, like, it's not worth it. It is worth it. No one ever, I don't know anyone who's regretted staying with it. I'm not going to say no one does, but I've never heard of anyone who does. So this is just a sign that, because the arts can be very devalued, it's important. And this is coming from a scientist TM.
0: Yes. You can do both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much. It was great to have you.
3: Yes. Thank you for having me. This was an interesting experience. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Thank
0: you. Well, we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.
3: Yes, bye.
0: bye. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories.
1: Also check out the creator of our podcast music, Bee Steadwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C. And you can check out her music at dot
0: If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk,
1: Talk to you all, all next week.
0: week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories and then in high school i actually had this like best friend and we ended up like having feelings for each other and we admitted it to each other and there was just like a lot of like back and forth and we didn't know what to do we didn't know like is this okay is this not okay um and so there is just a lot of just questioning and wondering